to today's podcast episode. So today I'm reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1963 titled The Kingdom. As always, thank you so much for joining me for today's lecture. All right, so let's get into this. Neville tells his audience, tonight's subject is the kingdom. We're told in the book of Luke, the 12th chapter, the 12th verse, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In the same book we are told, The kingdom of heaven is within you, Luke 17, 21. Here, he is going to give us something that is within us. We must be locked out from something within us. Fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the same evangelist, Luke, now tells us that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is within you. To get to the point, in the earliest of the Gospels, which is Mark, the first word put upon the lips of Jesus is about the kingdom. It's the first chapter, the 15th verse. And the evangelist has has him say, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's the message, the whole beginning. Here we have four profound thoughts in that one verse, that 15th verse of the first chapter. The time is fulfilled. Everything prior to this moment in eternity was only preparatory. And he's making a declaration that everything that the prophets foresaw, everything that they foretold, is now beginning to awaken. And he's the first one, the forerunner, of all that was foretold that would happen to man. For the time has been, it's inaudible, so I don't know what the word's supposed to be, but uh, it it had to be filled up. At this moment in time now, it begins to unfold like a flower. Then he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which is a moment. He makes the statement, repent and believe in the gospel. There are four distinct thoughts all buried in that one verse. Tonight we will take many passages of it with an emphasis on repent. It is not said in this statement, or it is, yeah, it is not said in this statement that if you and I repent, we will in any way be able to cooperate with God in bringing in the new order. No, the new order is coming whether we repent or not. You can't stop it. That's God's promise. That's his plan. My repentance is not going to aid the new order at all, yet I'm invited to repent. And we should every moment of time, if you know what it really is to repent. For repentance hasn't a thing to do with grief, feeling sorry for what we've done, feeling remorseful and regret. That hasn't a thing to do with repentance. The word repent means a change of mind a change of attitude toward life itself. I don't care what the facts of life are. Truth depends not upon fact, but upon the intensity of imagination. And so, if I repent, I simply change my attitude toward anything in this world. And if I am intense about the change, and persist in that changed attitude of mine, I'll produce a corresponding external fact. Well, go back to what we said earlier. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, and the kingdom of God is within you. I'm shut out from something within me, of which there is nothing. For all things are in the kingdom, and the kingdom of God is within you.
Then how do I arrive at that inner state? He's invited me now to practice the art of repentance. Just practice it. He doesn't tell me that if I don't practice it, I'm going to be shut out from the kingdom. He does not say that. He tells me to repent and believe in the gospel. Believe the story. Read it and believe it. But do repent. But I do not bring in the kingdom by my repentance. For that kingdom is coming whether I repent or not. But it makes it so much easier. Well, I'm still shut out to live in the world where I am shut out if I repent. And that is called the days of Messiah. For there are two ages discussed in the Bible. This age and that age described in the 20th chapter of the book of Luke. The 24th through the 36th verses. And these two ages are separated by the act of resurrection. Resurrection separates them. But around the resurrection, before and after, there is what is known as the day of the Messiah, as characterized as good days, joyful days, and the days where you can reap the harvest, and that is repentance. But if I repent every moment and own the earth, it doesn't really matter as far as the kingdom goes. I'm getting into the kingdom, as you will, as everyone will. But for our own sakes, while we're in the world, let us master the art of repentance. Now, about a week ago, I told you concerning a little girl. She didn't call her repentance. Her grandmother didn't call her repentance, but she puts on an act, an imaginal act, and produced one after the other of these fantastic, lovely demonstrations. The grandmother went home that night and wrote me out the entire story in detail and added one, which is a delightful story. The child was then only four, and she said to the child, Now, Pammy, you know what you did to get the house for Daddy and Mother? Yes. And you know what you did to get the playhouse with all the toys? Yes. Well, now I would like a stereophonic machine for my records. But Daddy won't give me one. He will not give me anything, and here I only have the same little radio that I had when I was a girl, when I was a child. That's the only means in the house. And so I would like, really, this wonderful instrument to play the record. I want a slow one, a long one, that would almost fill that wall, but an enormous one. Now this is what we do, Pammy. You stand right here, close your eyes, but you don't physically walk across any more than you did when we go to, got the house. But you do walk across the carpet. You walk across the room and you go over and you feel this wonderful instrument. You feel the lovely wood and you see it, but your eyes are closed. But now you're there physically. But you walk toward this instrument and then you hear it. When you hear the music coming from it, you and I will dance. We'll dance all over this room together. And so now let us play our little game. Remember this little girl, what she said to her grandmother? You're old, you can't do it, but my imagination works like thunder. Well, here's thunder. The divorce was already in the works, papers were signed. The month is August, and a week before her birthday, which was October 11th, he said to his wife, On your birthday there will be delivered to your home the stereophonic machine to play all the all of the records. When it came, it was exactly as we had imagined it, a long one, a long one, filling almost the wall, and it's perfectly heavenly. It's the one thing she wanted, that is, my daughter wanted, because all through her life it relaxed her when she heard good music. She put the records on and simply relaxed. 
as we would relax with something else, she relaxed with good music. And here he gave it to her on her birthday, a little girl, four years old. Now you and I will teach our little children, I know I taught mine, to say thank you, and how to say thank you, and how to be gracious. But we don't have to teach any person in this world how to feel it. We can teach them how to say it, but we don't have to teach them how to feel it. They can feel it, and that is the secret. But man will not let himself feel what the senses will not allow. He may, on his own, try to feel what reason denies. So he's shut out from the fabulous world within himself. Where did she do it? She did it within herself. She remained physically stationary in the room, and mentally she walked forward and felt what was not there to be felt physically. But she gave it all the tones of reality. She gave it all the sensory vividness and a little child of four can give. And she brought all the senses to play on it. She touched it, she heard it, and she felt. Well, you can taste the wood, and you couldn't. Well, I dare say you could. But if you brought three senses to play upon that imaginative drama, within six weeks that was realized in a household where this lady of the house was still using a little tiny machine she had when she was a little girl. Yet she was the mother of two children, and he never felt that that was something he should give her, because that to him was an unnecessary luxury. That was a luxury, an unnecessary luxury, but I give it to her. And so she didn't ask him. The little girl didn't ask. They dropped it having done it, and having done it, it was done. That's the word repentance. Listen to it again. The beginning of the teaching of Jesus Christ in the book of Mark. The very first word put into his mouth. If you have a red letter edition, you can see the first red letter phrase. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe the story for the seed must be sown on man. For the, there is a certain moment in time when the time is fulfilled when it's filled up, and a man can't stop it. He's going to be moved right into the next world. He can't stop it. But I am convinced by that last statement in that 15th verse, believe in the gospel. Believe it. The sower in rabbinical tradition is the teacher. You hear the man telling the story. He's telling you he's the teacher, and some will not believe it. Some believe it. Some hold it with a reservation and some with a big question mark. Believe it implicitly. You can't understand it, but believe it. From day one, he's trying to believe. And when that time is fulfilled, well, then the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But in the meanwhile, practice repentance. And repentance is simply a change of attitude toward, every, toward everything in this world. No matter what it is that denies the fulfillment of your dream, change it just as she, four years old, did it. Now tonight, before I took the platform, another story <coughs> by a lady who was here, and she too has gone through the usual thing in California, a divorce. It seems to be epidemic. So she went through it. She has two children, two sons. There was no settlement in the divorce for any car for a boy, 17 years old, but he would like a car. He wouldn't come to the meetings. She told me what the other brother had done using this technique, but he thought it would be it would take too long. The divorce was granted, money's all settled, all arranged, and the judge said, 
No, no 17-year-old boy would I recommend for a car. So that was not in the cards. She went home and she said to the boy, You know, you or you know what, And uh, calling the brother by name, what he did? So don't. why don't you try it anyway? It isn't going to cost you a thing. Your father said no. The judge said no. Everybody said no. But you still would like a car? Why don't you try it? Last night, as he retired, he was in his new car. With all the feeling that you would have, were you in the new car? And it's your car. This is on Sunday. On Tuesday night, her husband called and said, You know, in spite of what the judge said, in spite of what the settlement reads, I promised him a car and I'm going to give him the car. Now this is only this past week. The car has not been delivered, but within three days, his imaginal act then said to himself, It worked so quickly and so easily. Now I'm going to work upon my skin and upon my own marks. Hold on, i got to scroll down. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me say that again. I was trying to scroll down. Uh, so then he said to himself, it works so quickly and easily. Now I'm going to work upon my skin and upon my own marks in school. It never occurred to him before to use this wonderful law of forgiveness. We call it forgiveness. The Bible speaks of it as forgiveness. But the first word was repentance. How do you repent? Not to feel remorseful that my father and mother separated. If he wants his father back, he can bring it back. If he wants him back, she can bring it back. If she wants him back. But if she sees the paper all signed, then that is the end of the picture. Well, then you can't repent. I can't repent when I accept the facts of life as they appear on the screen of my world, where the whole thing is within me. It's not on the outside. All that I behold, though it appears without, it is within. In my imagination, of which this world of mortality is but a shadow. How can you deny the fact of the little girl producing the instrument? Who knew in that household that a little child, four years old, was the one treading the wine press? As William Butler Yeast said, I will never be sure that it was not some woman treading in the wine press who started the subtle change in men's minds. Or in that household, the father's mind was changed suddenly. He thought he initiated the desire to buy this machine. He didn't. The little girl did, four years old. And who knows today what we are reaping, because someone other than members of the household are imagining for us. We're doing it anyway, until that moment in time when it's all filled up and we enter a world completely subject to our imaginative powers. So I tell you, the kingdom is yours, regardless because it's within you. It's not on the outside. And God is going to give it to you. He has to open up the way, and the way is very, very narrow. We're not called collectively, we're called individually. The 27th chapter of the book of Isaiah, And you will be gathered one by one, O people of Israel. And you will be gathered one by one, O people of Israel. Well, Israel means the pure at heart. That's what the word means. Only the pure in heart shall enter the kingdom. But everyone is going to be made in the likeness of his father, who is perfect, therefore pure in heart. For to see him, one has to be pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. For to see him, one has to be pure in heart. For they shall see God, Matthew 5, 8. I behold an Israelite indeed. His name was Nathaniel. I behold an Israelite 
indeed, in whom there is no guile, John 1.47, one incapable of deceiving another for personal gain. A week ago last Sunday, a friend of mine was home, and he told me the story. He said, I have been to jail. I'm not ashamed of it. I, and this is inaudible too, but, and for my abuses in that department. So I'm assuming he said, I went to jail for, and for my abuses in that department. I went to jail. I met all kinds of types there. I met two men. They wrote a book. They were con men. He called them bilko artists. And there was a book in which they confessed that they had never been able to bilk a man who himself was incapable of bilking another. Not on the history of their experience could they take from any man a dollar by selling him the Brooklyn Bridge. They set out an ethical code by which they operated. They were successful, and you couldn't take them over. No man who is incapable of bilking another can be built. It isn't his cup of tea. He doesn't know how to operate that way. But if there are people in this world who will only buy what is repossessed, you can take them over. There are those who only wait until they repossess something. The repossessed says it. There are the repossessed set. When it's repossessed, the man lost his initial investment. They can get it at X number of dollars less than that. Repossess a car, repossess this. And what you can buy repossessed, well, then such people can be built. They don't realize they've got to go through all the fires of the world until the heart becomes a heart of Israel or cannot take anyone over. They'd rather die than do it. They'd rather starve to death than do it. But any man in this world who can bilk another can himself be the victim, the bilka artist. And these two men who wrote this book wrote it in jail. And they confessed in all their years, for that was their profession. Their life was simply that. That's all gone, but they couldn't take one man who himself couldn't bilk another. I can go back to my own personal experience in my father's life. A most successful businessman, very successful and capable of taking advantage of another for personal gain, in a highly competitive society, little tiny Barbados. But he could not take advantage of another for personal gain. He could go around with him in a competitive bid for a job, but not in any way deceive you, so that he personally would get the contract. So when he made his exit, he left a fortune for his family. And I know in my own family, that was their ethical code. They're sharp dealers, very, very successful businessmen, and they buy at the lowest price, but they do not bilk. And there are people who will take anything in this world on that basis, and everyone can be taken over, everyone. I went to the track with friends of mine the other day, and this gentleman who drove us out, as he walked out of the truck, someone approached him with a watch and said, pointed to a car, see that car? A lovely car. Maybe a six or $7,000 job? That's my car. Well, right away, my friend, who was a lawyer, noticed that behind the little glass, he saw the Turf Club sticker. And the man is trying to sell him a watch for $25, if that's what he needs. But instantly, my friend couldn't possibly do that because he couldn't book anyone. He's a fine, decent gentleman. He couldn't take anyone over, yet he's a very successful lawyer. He couldn't possibly take somebody's watch. And so here, the bilko artist was up against a stone wall with my friend. So he came back in and told the story. 
and he was simply amused. He couldn't possibly be taken over because that's not the way he approaches life. Now here in our world, we are given the chance to practice repentance. It works like a charm. I don't care what the facts are. You don't need to bilk anyone regardless of what the facts are. This little girl did not go hit the father over the head to buy this instrument. She simply played a little game. She heard the music and she danced to the music and she felt the wood and she walked across and saw it. Then six weeks later, seven weeks later, here comes a gift. He thought he originated the urge to give his wife something she had never dreamed of in the past. Dreamed in the past. Er, okay, I'm going to read for, I'm going to say that again. He thought he originated the urge to give his wife something she had never dreamed in the past he would give. Now who, in the interval, held him in the state of the giving in? The wife did. He never expressed it, and she accepted the facts of life. He never expressed that feeling of generosity, because he never did. She took the facts of life and lived by the facts. Imagination has many aspects. One aspect is the is a conservative aspect. It's fed by memory. If I feed my imagination only images supplied by memory, he never did it. Therefore, he isn't going to do it. And he never did it, therefore he cannot do it, all day long. I perpetuate what is the con conservative aspect of imagining, and that is fed only by images supplied by memory. There, there is a transformative aspect. That's where repentance comes in, where I would take a scene that is already in being and modifying it. And so I have the same room, the same living room. What did I do? I put against that wall an instrument that, were it true, would allow me to hear the music I want to hear. And so I modify the scene. But the house is here. The whole building is here. Everything about it. The same children, same husband, and same everything. But now I change the pattern of living room and modify that scene of that living room. That is a conservative aspect. But the day is coming when you and I get into the kingdom of heaven, where everything is subject to our imaginative power, where we create radically. We don't need any memory image to supply models to build our world. Out of the nowhere, we create. That's what you and I are destined to be tomorrow. And everyone will enter the world, that fabulous world called the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is in us, and we're only shut out of something that's already in us. We're living on the surface, looking out, not knowing that we are casting these shadows on the screen of space. Shadows that are really prompted from things within ourselves. I invite you to try it. Try this theme, which is the third statement, as he begins his message to the world. He proclaims the fantastic thing. That the time is fulfilled. That what the prophets foresaw over ages and ages and ages has now come to fulfillment. He'd be the first one in and he proclaims it. No one believes it because he didn't come as though, or he didn't come as they thought he should come. He didn't come to conquer the outer world. He conquered himself. He overcame self, not the outer world. For he knew there was nothing on the outside. 
The whole vast world reflected the harmony within himself. So he proclaimed, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. He's been waiting for this moment for unnumbered eons of time. And now it's come. Now repent and believe the gospel. Believe the story of your imagination, the most fantastic story in the world. What story? That God so loved man that he became man, that man may become God. That's the story. He actually became us. Yes. How could he do it? He emptied himself, completely emptied himself, and became us, every one of us. And then, as it's fulfilled, the time is fulfilled, the door opens, a very narrow door, for we go in one by one. And you will be gathered one by one, O people of Israel. What is Israel? Yes, the pure at heart. Only the pure in heart can enter, and the pure in heart is Israel. Everyone will come through because he's just like his father. As you're told in the 19th chapter of, Le of Leviticus, you shall be holy. No doubts that that's no, no doubts that it. Oh, um, you shall be holy. No doubts that it because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Leviticus 19.2. You can't avoid it. If I put you through all the furnaces in the world, you can't avoid it. You shall be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And be ye perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. You can't be less than your Father, because he's given you himself. He's given you fatherhood. And when you enter that kingdom, you are the Father, the King of kings. And is everything subject to your imaginative power, but everything in the kingdom, you will create radically. You need no model supplied by memory. You don't modify scenes in being. You create out of the nowhere, out of nothing. Something out of nothing. It's all your own wonderful human imagination. But until the end of it, well then, let us repent. Everyone can take someone in this world and use that one to repent as a challenge. Don't raise a finger to make it so. Use it as a challenge. Anyone can ask you because you know the story. You can ask me, I can ask you, and we can ask each other, and then conceive a scene which would imply the fulfillment of the dream, just like the child. The grandmother, the mother. The mother said, you know how we got the house? Yes. You know how we got all the toys in the playhouse? Yes. Well, let us play the stereo machine. And there it is against the wall. But you don't walk over there physically, you remain right here. Close your eyes and you see it. And Pammy said, yes, I see it. Well now, do you know the color? Yes. Do you know how it feels? If you couldn't feel it, yes. What would it sound like, yes? Well now you walk over mentally, not physically, and go over mentally and put your hands on it. Because imagination is spiritual sensation, that's what that means. If. At this very moment, I would imagine a ball here, but I could feel a ball there, couldn't I? And to prove that I am feeling the ball, let me now imagine, after I felt the ball, that I am feeling a piece of silk. Could I discriminate between a ball and a silk, or between a ball and silk? Well, now let me imagine something else. I imagine I'm feeling something steel. Can I discriminate between these three imaginal objects? Then they exist. 
You can't discriminate between that which does not exist. If they don't exist, there's no distinction. There's no discrimination. If I could feel one in my imagination after the other and no two feel alike, do they not exist to me? Well, they do. So natural to... Okay, this was inaudible too. Um, so something natural to this little girl and she heard music and she danced. So she brought into play all these things based upon an imaginal act. And it came to pass. You may not credit her imaginal act as the cause of it, but when the little girl, who is now only five, has four outstanding case histories to support her imaginal acts, are you going to discount it? As I said, if there is evidence for a thing, what the rational world thinks about it, or even... Uh, the word is missing, something for it. It's nothing to the point. She actually knows what she did when they got the, the house, even though it seemed to be a disaster. For the house came as a result of his little company being absorbed by a big company, and the big company putting him through an aptitude test and forcing him out of his desk job into a salesman job, where he made many, many times what he made at the desk. Well, with all of his money, he could buy the house. And, ex and it's exactly the kind of house the little girl had imagined, with the aid of her mother and grandmother. On the strength of this, they got this wonderful thing at Christmas, this playhouse filled with toys. On the strength of these two, they got the stereo. And then on the strength of these three, she brought her father and mother back together after the divorce had been finalized. Here, the papers were signed and delivered. She was living in Hollywood, and he was living in an apartment with the two girls. The grandmother said, You want Daddy and Grandmother back? Yes, she came back. A little girl? Well, now, if the little girl didn't know from experience what she did in the past, she would not have repented. She would have allowed this divorce to be final and cry her eyes out at night after night because she wanted her mother, and her mother wasn't there. But she was not going to allow this after she had suffered it and was reminded of what she had done by her grandmother. Do you know that you and I could be the most successful this night from repentance and then, within a matter of a week, forget it? Completely forget what we did to produce the result that we got? And start once more rationalizing time and space and arguments what to do? When we have done it without persuasion. Without a thought in the world. We do it all the time, but let me encourage you, the kingdom is open, and you cannot be locked out indefinitely, for repentance, marvelous as it is, will not in any way allow you to work and cooperate with God in bringing the new order. The new order is coming, whether you repent or not. But while we're shut out, repentance is given to us to make life easier, for we're shut out, all of us, until that moment in time when we are resurrected. For the two ages are separated by the act of resurrection. In the 20th chapter of Luke, the sons of this age marry and they are given in marriage. But those who are accounted worthy to, to attain to that age, to the resurrection from the dead, they neither marry nor are they given in marriage, for they cannot die any more. They are sons of God, sons of the resurrection, Luke 20.34, lifted up completely above the organization of sex where the individual is himself a unity, and creating without the aid of any divided image. 
No matter what he imagined in the world he created, he is living in a world that is fabulous, all for within himself. And don't think it is some little tiny world, it's magnified beyond the wildest dream of man, just like this. But he's not on the outside removed, he's on the inside creating. And that's God. Tonight you try it, try it and see how it works. Not if it works, not I'll think about it, try it and see how it works. Take every person's request and then do it in feeling, not in words. There are millions of people across the country who will declare, I am rich, I am rich, I am rich, in the depths of all they are feeling. Where's the next dollar coming from? They are feeling poverty but declaring in words, I am rich. Doesn't work that way. As we said earlier, I'll teach one little child to say thank you when someone gives you something. If someone is kind to them, say thank you. Teach them how to say thank you. But I need not ever teach anyone how to feel it. So how do I feel it? Not the words, get below the words into the feeling. But what am I feeling? She felt that machine and she sang. She danced to the music she was hearing. While the music didn't come from anything. But what a wonderful stereo. And she danced all over the place. And then they forgot it. Then he has the impulse to buy it for his wife's birthday. That's how it works. Two kinds of motion, one is done from the inside and the outside is under compulsion. The one on the inside, the one on the outside moved by compulsion to only bear witness to the inner motion. You try it. Take a friend's hand and congratulate him on his good fortune, on his wonderful job, on his success, on anything in this world. But put your hand mentally into his hand and actually congratulate him. Feel the thrill of it with a friend. How wonderful it is to have a friend who has been so successful because a friend would be happy for the friend's success and feel it. Don't tell him a word. Say nothing to him and watch it work. Just watch it work. And then the whole thing works in the world. But you've got to feel it. Ignore all the facts of this world and then inwardly perform the act. And it will outwardly become the fact. I tell you, this book, the Bible, is the greatest book in the world. And just imagine what the prophets foresaw, for whom they searched and they inquired, asking what person and what time was indicated by that spirit of prophecy within them, when they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory, 1 Peter 1.10, but they couldn't find him. No matter how they searched, they couldn't find him. And then one day it happened. And when it happened, it happened so naturally that no one would know it. You can talk about it and tell others. Some will believe it and some will disbelieve it. But it happens in you. Individually, and you are the same person you were before it happened. And they expect some fantastic being to come out of nowhere in a mysterious way. He doesn't come that way. Everything that happens in you is, a, is mysterious. Oh yes, the birth is very mysterious. An unusual mystery takes place within you as told in the third chapter of the book of John. For the discussion that takes place between Nicodemus and Jesse is the theme of this work. This peculiar birth that must take place is the only means of entry into the kingdom of heaven. There is no other way to get in unless this takes place first. And so, except you be born from above, you cannot in any wise way enter the kingdom of heaven.
John 3, 3. But you will be born from above. May I tell you all the precepts of Jesse, or of Jesus, are to be taken literally. People say, oh no, it couldn't be literal. I tell you, every precept stated has some literal fact to be understood in its literal manner, and I'm speaking from experience. I had no idea that this thing was so literally true. We are told, except you be born from above, Nicodemus, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. You can't get in. And he said, well, how could this be possible? I'm 50 years old, a man my age. And how could I be born a second time? He said, except ye be born from above, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And you, a master of Israel, and you do not know this? It all starts, a birth, only one way, from the womb of a woman. And it isn't from the womb of a woman. It's from the womb of God, and the womb of God is the skull of man. That's where God is buried. And out of that wonderful skull of man, generic man, comes the man, the individual man. No loss of identity, and he comes out, born from above. It's literally true. In that moment of awakening came the division between the two great ages. This age he left, that age he's entered. But he still wears the veil of the flesh, and therefore he is not fully aware of his inheritance until the veil is taken off for the last time. For he can die no more, can't die. He has been resurrected from the grave, which is the skull of man. And having been resurrected, he's inherited, but it cannot become to him actual. Or at least it is not fully realized in him so long as he wears the body. He plays his part, teaching everyone who will listen, hoping that they will believe the story, for they must believe the story so that it may germinate, as it were, where soil on which the seed is planted, and the seed in the Bible is called the word of God. And the word of God is called the gospel. Believe the gospel if you believe the word, the message of salvation. Try it. Try it tonight. Don't delay. No matter what the world looks like at the moment. And if it's distressed for you, I trust it isn't. But if it is, you can't conceive of any more distressed state, knowing it would be for a little child of five, whose mother isn't coming home. How many nights she must have cried herself to sleep. And this night she started the crying once more when she said, Now stop the tears. You know what you did. You did this, you did that, you did the other. And you can do the same thing. Then at the end of four days, the mother comes home and she could say to her grandmother, You know that my imagination works like thunder. Let our imagination work just like thunder and make it all come to pass. Okay, so there we have the end of Nebuchadnezzar's lecture titled The Kingdom from 1963. All right, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode, and I will see you guys next time. All right, have a great day.